0: This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com.
1: That's what it sounded like in Montreal a few weeks ago at a large pro-Palestine rally when a local imam, Adil Sharkawi, got the crowd responding enthusiastically to his harsh criticism of Israel. Now, I don't speak Arabic, but Jewish groups say here's what he's accused of saying. Allah, take care of these Zionist aggressors. Allah, take care of the enemies of the people of Gaza. Allah, identify them all, then exterminate them and don't spare any of them, unquote. Montreal's Jewish Federation says what starts with vehement anti-Semitic remarks at a rally leads directly to consequences on the streets of Montreal. And indeed, since that speech, there have been a spree of anti-Jewish attacks, Molotov cocktails thrown at a synagogue and a Jewish community office, bullets fired at two Jewish schools not once but twice, a violent clash on the campus of Concordia University over Israel and Hamas, with three people injured and one person arrested. But so far we haven't heard if anyone was charged. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has called it all terrorism. Quebec's Premier François Legault described what the Iman said as hate speech and told the police to get moving on charging the man. So why have Montreal police not confirmed if they're making any arrests? Legal experts say perhaps it's because charging somebody with breaking Canada's hate speech laws, including advocating for genocide, is a tough type of case to win. And instead, the best hope might be what Calgary police did last week when they took the unprecedented step of charging a pro-Palestinian organizer who chanted from the river to the sea at a rally with disturbing the peace. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, November the 13th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Last week, a Montreal newspaper reported that police did receive a complaint about the imam, Sharqawi, but the police have made no comments on the state of any of their open investigations. Nevertheless, to date, the CJN has been able to confirm that since October the 7th, police in Toronto, Ottawa, Kingston and Calgary have charged 13 people so far with hate-motivated offenses. And Toronto police even scrambled to quadruple the size of their hate crimes unit, from six officers to 28 personnel, to cope with the flood of hate-related complaints they're getting. So will the Calgary police's technique be the most effective legal way to fight the stunning eruption of hate we're seeing against Jews here in this country? Mark Fryman thinks so. He used to be a deputy attorney general in Ontario in charge of how police and Crown prosecutors lay charges and take cases to trial. He's also an expert in hate crimes and free speech, and right now he's advising the Centre for Israel and Jewish Affairs on how to use the legal system to fight hate. He was directly involved with one of Canada's most notorious Holocaust deniers, Ernst Zundel, and the prosecution back in the 1980s and 90s. And at first, Zundel was convicted of spreading false news, but he was freed eventually because it was freedom of expression. So Canada got rid of him another way, citing him as a security threat. He was deported back to Germany, tried, convicted, and jailed. He died in 2017. We'll hear from Mark Freiman right after this message.
0: When Jewish families in the GTA are struggling, workers at Jewish Family and Child Service are there. These workers make sure every Jewish child has a safe home. They support Holocaust survivors living in poverty, They ensure no elderly members of our community are isolated. They provide grief counseling, offer financial support for impoverished families, and help Jewish children go to camp. But they make, on average, $10,000 a year less than their counterparts at other agencies. Their employer has threatened to lock them out, right as the Jewish community faces a growing crisis of anti-Semitism. To make sure Jewish families can count on help when they need it, we need to take care of these workers. Right now, More than 100 workers at Jewish Family and Child Service are fighting to ensure their employer invests in them and in the Jewish community. Go to cupe.ca slash JFCS to learn more and send a message of support.
1: And joining us now is Mark Fryman. Welcome to the CJN Daily.
2: Nice to be here.
1: Good to have you here as we try to unpack a little bit the wider ramifications of a series of charges that have been laid by Canadian police over the last week or two in relation and connection to the protests that have happened worldwide since the Israel-Hamas war began October 7th. Let's start, if we can, with the Calgary case, because uh, just for our listeners, in case you weren't aware or you you missed our coverage, go to the cjn.ca and take a look at our story. Last week, the Calgary police announced that it had laid a charge of causing a disturbance after a, uh, a man was allegedly making uh, a chant at a pro-Palestinian rally from the river to the sea. And this man was later arrested and charged, and they tacked on a um, hate-motivated crime parenthesis framework. So, Mark, how significant is that?
2: I think it's a very significant charge because I think it's probably the most intelligent way of dealing with demonstrators and demonstrations and putting them into a proper uh, hate motivated uh, context. Well,
1: What does that mean? Can you tell me what that looks like the most effective way?
2: Sure. We're talking about how to intelligently deal with the obvious fact that many of these demonstrators and uh, demonstrations are really manifestations of hate. They're not Classic protests where people have a political idea in mind and are showing their support because peaceful assembly to show your political thoughts is protected by the charter and needs to be protected by the charter. On the other hand, getting together to spread hatred and to manifest hatred and really to intimidate people. Uh, is not protected and shouldn't be protected. Police uh, have traditionally had a great deal of difficulty in telling the two concepts apart. And uh, they've also been traditionally confused by the fact that we have in the criminal code uh, separate provisions dealing with hate propaganda, Section 319, Sub 1 and Sub 2, which deal with incitement to violence, through the spreading of uh, hate propaganda and the willful promotion of hatred.
1: And there's also Uh, the advocating genocide as well. That's 319.
2: Advocating genocide as well. Those are all under uh, 319. And there's a new 319 uh, sub 2.1, which is advocating anti-Semitism by denying the Holocaust. And people have been thinking about those provisions in the criminal code when you're dealing with leaders who uh, try to motivate crowds, get up in public places, or spread uh, anti-Semitism or uh, hatred on the internet or in print? And there's a very high threshold for uh, bringing a charge under those provisions. What the Calgary police did, I think, is a much more intelligent way of dealing with demonstrations that uh, get out of hand and start manifesting hatred through chance and hateful chance. And that's to look at another provision or other provisions, but in this case, one particularly useful provision, which is creating a disturbance. And I have that in front of me. It says that everyone who causes a disturbance in or near a public place by fighting, screaming, shouting, swearing, singing, or using insulting or obscene language is guilty of disturbing the peace. And that really uh, captures what happens at some of these demonstrations. The kicker on that is we have another section of the criminal code, section 718, uh, which is really a sentencing provision, and I'll read that where there's evidence that an offense under the criminal code was motivated by bias, prejudice, or hate, and it lists the grounds of hate, uh, race, national or ethnic origin, language, color, religion, sex, and then a whole bunch of other uh, potential grounds, then the offender can be sentenced to a higher penalty than would usually apply under that provision. So when you combine the two offenses, it allows the police to lay a charge and to add that the charge qualifies for a higher sentence or the higher range of potential sentences under that offense. And that's what the Calgary police did. And I think it was a very intelligent choice on the part of the Calgary police to deal with the use of um, hateful language, hateful chants, offensive chants. Uh, I, don't want to, I shouldn't use the word offensive because offensive language uh, is allowed in Canada, but hateful language isn't. And to apply it to demonstrators, rallies, and to intimidating behavior. And I really commend them for doing that. Our Toronto police haven't gotten to the point yet where their analysis has shown them that this is a useful strategy to employ to control hate.
1: Okay, going back to a couple of things you just said, because there's a lot. So what you're saying is that the existing national hate crime provisions are a bit too tough to actually win The cases, so that's why this more lower rank, I guess you would say, run of the mill, uh, either mischief or uh, disturbing the peace or things like that, are easier to to prosecute and have a better chance of winning. Is that why they did it? Do you think is that correct?
2: Yes, it's much easier to prove disturbing the peace than it is to prove an offense under Section three nineteen. Any one of the sections other than denying the Holocaust. And the courts have really emphasized that uh, hate crimes under Section 319 really are reserved for very clear cases of the kinds of incitement that may lead to violence uh, or they have to uh, demonstrate uh, willful promotion of hatred. Uh, those aren't easy. Uh, charges to uh, to demonstrate and are better used against leaders of hate movements and are more difficult to demonstrate with uh, chants and slogans.
1: So we're talking, if we talk about popular culture, you know, the story of Al Capone and the movie, how they called the untouchables, right? They couldn't get him on being a member of the mafia, or whatever, so they got him on tax evasion and that kind of thing. So tell me, in your previous experience, what kinds of decisions would like a minister, attorney general, and a crown have to agree to in order to put these hate motivated framework lenses on these crimes? Because there's twelve of them at least now, as we're speaking to date. Across the country, Ottawa, uh, Toronto, Calgary, now Kingston, where they're assault, uh, Pepper Spring. I'm just talking about in general. What would they have had to do, a police force, in order to get the Crown to approve a charge of, let's say, assault, or as we talked about in Calgary, you know, disturbing the peace with the hate flavor on top of it?
2: In considering any charge, not just a hate motivated charge, the Crown Manual requires the Crown to consider one. Is there a reasonable prospect of conviction? And two, is it in the public interest? In every case, they have to talk to the crown. Being uh, being honest, if you ask them, uh, they would say that in most cases there isn't any reason to have an extensive discussion with the crown. They have the evidence, and the crown uh, will prosecute. They may feel that this is a sensitive issue, and uh, that there may be community repercussions, but uh, the police uh, gather the evidence. And if there's evidence that a crime has been committed, they should uh, present the evidence to the Crown with a view to laying a charge. In these
1: cases, you're mentioning, for example, well, for promotion of hatred or Holocaust denial, usually uh, the penalty maximum is two years less a day. And the fine was $5,000 for the uh, disturbing the peace. Yes, I think it's the same for Holocaust denial, it's- too. <laughs> So it's just an easier win if they do win.
2: It's a much easier win, especially if you attack on the uh, hate motivation kicker, because uh, that pushes it up, because usually uh, disturbing the peace can be uh, disposed of on a first offense. Uh, the person might be released on their own recognizance with uh, conditional uh, sentence and no, uh, no penalty at all. But if you have the uh, kicker that it's hate-motivated, then the judge can uh, give a much more serious penalty.
1: So that's very clever. Yes. Tell me about the free speech aspect, because people will say, well, we can. We weren't saying to kill all the Jews. We weren't inciting for genocide. We were just chanting our uh, feelings about having a Palestinian homeland, and this is a spurious charge. That's what some of the opponents have already said.
2: They've, they've already said it, and I think it is a an apt case for bringing expert evidence as to the meaning of uh, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, and tying it to what it means uh, for Hamas, how it's used in the um, uh, Palestinian community, how it's used in their documents, and what it objectively means. uh, Because the argument that Uh, I've seen used that it it just means uh, we believe in a uh, secular state where uh, Jews and Palestinians will live harmoniously with one another. Certain phrases have objective meanings. And in the discourse of the Middle East, from the river to the sea means eliminate the state of Israel and eliminate the Jews by any means necessary. It's also relevant How the chant is being used, if it's being used in a threatening, aggressive uh, manner to try to intimidate, you could be yelling, Jews go home, and it would have exactly the same hateful meaning.
1: Is this the first time that you're aware of in Canada that this kind of charge has been used in Calgary, this way to clamp down and combat uh, anti-Israel, anti-Jewish, anti-Semitism? Yes. What will this do for other jurisdictions? Will they now be copying this or wait and when the case is taken farther and appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court, as this might be, uh, and then everyone else will wait and see before they decide how to charge?
2: I hope not, but I think so. I think that other jurisdictions may just wait to the extent that other police forces have undertaken the same analysis as the Calgary Police Force did, then uh, they may follow suit, which would be a good thing because it would demonstrate that there is a wider understanding of what's going on. My fear is that uh, certainly the Toronto Police Services will sit back and wait and won't take the hint that aggressive hostile chants constitute hate and constitute disturbing the peace or a a hateful layer on uh, demonstrations that really are disturbing the peace.
1: They did say they're going to greatly expand their hate crimes unit. What do you make of this?
2: I I don't think they have a choice because judging from the material that is coming to our attention uh, at a legal task force. There's just a flood of hateful incidents across the city. And the police have to be able to uh, cope with all of these incidents. And uh, the current uh, hate crimes unit is just too small. They are people of goodwill. They want to do the right thing. They're sometimes puzzled by uh, what the law is and uh, what constraints they're functioning on.
1: Okay, final thoughts, uh, final uh, message that you want uh, listeners to understand about the significance of this charge in Calgary and what our Jewish community should make from this.
2: Well, I'm encouraged that at least one police force understands that uh, words matter, that uh, hatred is expressed through words. And uh, that there needs to be a legal recourse, um, and that the police are on the front lines of making sure that the law is adequate to protect people from the um, consequences of uh, of hate. It's not something that simply touches Israel. It's something that touches uh, Jewish people throughout Canada, and by extension, it touches all Canadians when um, our sense of decency breaks down and people think that proper response is to uh, target other Canadians uh, with vicious hate.
1: And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like. For this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Freiman tells me that his C J A volunteer squad of lawyers that he heads is working quietly right now for free to advise people how to press the right kind of charges that will stand up in court. Meanwhile, Calgary's police department says it got 44 complaints of hate crimes since October 7th. It's investigated all of them. And so far, aside from the River to the Sea person who they charged, they've also charged a man for making online threats against Jewish community offices. And they have 19 other cases still under investigation. We'll end the show with a bit of what Yair Slack said. He's president of Montreal's Jewish Federation. And in this briefing from just a few days ago, he answers critics of why police aren't doing more with an appeal for everyone to be patient. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily.
2: There is a legal process to deal with everything that's happening. That legal process is on the way. We cannot influence the police to make arrests unless there are airtight cases to make those arrests. What we may consider hate speech may be defined differently by the criminal code. The police will act when the time is right, when the case is right, And we are supporting them and providing them every evidence and every possible opportunity to make those decisions.
1: The
0: Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.